A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists presents, hypothetically speaking, the What If Podcast. Ooh, he's like the watcher over there. Episode two. What if T'Challa was a Star-Lord? Became, even. Sure, why not? What if he became, yeah. Anyway, before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and talking about this episode at hand, I want to tell you all, we want to tell you all, oh, jeez, Louise. Call it like it is. You're going to do it, so let's go. What was that? You were rustling papers? My notes. Ooh. Oh, you made notes. Look, someone's professional on this You make paper airplanes or little football triangles. If we pretend that airplanes in the night sky are like shooting stars, I could really use a wish right now, a wish right now, a wish right now. That was the most popular song in 2010. Anyway, before we get into the usual rigmarole, like I had said, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at... The Marvelists. You can find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, among many others. Well, you can find us on there. The Marvelists. Yes, The Marvelists. Not the yes, The Marvelists, just The Marvelists. Without quotation marks. Mm. Or a shrug of the eyebrows. Exactly. You can also find us on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, five-star if you're ever so inclined, and also be sure to go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And when you're on there, you can help support the show for as little as $3 a month to as much as... got to work on that. You can find us on there, and like I said, $3 a month gets you early access to episodes of this here fine program. 24 hours before the release on the main RSS feed. You can also go for the $5 tier where you get two bonus shows a month. Yes, you get The Fantastic Voyage where we cover all 102 issues plus annuals, plus crossovers, plus tie-ins, plus whatever we feel is important to talk about in the realm of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's legendary, iconic, and even... Um, iconic? Well, you're just going to say fantastic. You always fantastic. say fantastic. There we go. Run of the Fantastic Four. And then we also have a new show called... You haven't read that? Yes, our bi-monthly episode where Eddie Wilson discovers a comic book he has never read before that, surprisingly, he has never read before. In the first episode, Eddie covers Frank Miller's seminal The Dark Knight Returns. And then for the month of August, at the very end, I believe we're going to be releasing that. Oh boy, we were, spo- we're supposed to technically release that on the 25th. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do that. It'll be, it'll be yeah, forthcoming. Yeah, that's going to have to be on the 25th. Life happens. Oh, well, no, it's going to have to happen on the 25th, I'm realizing. I'm going to cram now for it. Here yeah, because <laughs> I thought it was a Friday show. No, Friday is... Fantastic Voyage. I like, by the way, we have the live planning of this on the show. This is fun. Well, you, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You. That show, we're going to be talking for the month of August. Watchmen. Mm. Eddie Wilson's going to cram 12 issues into his brain hole this weekend. It's, Eddie? It's, it's a little more than a just a hole. Thank you. 
Head Like a Hole, Nine Inch Nails. (gasps) Yeah, it's a good song. Thank you, I agree. Mm -hmm. Anyway, also support the show for as much as a flillion dollars a month. Get early access to episodes, bonus shows, and the ability to guest host or suggest a topic at hand for us to talk about. Also go to belowthecollar.com slash The Marvelists. And buy our Dad Joke Immune t-shirt, because God willing, if you've made it this far, you are in fact Dad Joke Immune. And also go oh, go on YouTube, hit mm. the subscribe button, and ding the little bell, and have it go for all. And any time a new video gets uploaded, you will be told a notification saying, Hey, dumbass, or sorry, hey, hey handsome. Hey, you. <laughs> Pink Floyd song. Good song. Mm-hmm. You get early access to the YouTube channel. Ooh. It's not Patreon-related, but you get early notifications that there is content. And we recommend you subscribe because we love you. We love you. Lots. Oodles. Anyway, that long meandering intro is leading us to what if. What if Peter Melnick did a shorter intro for the show? Well, who knows? We almost didn't have a Peter in this here episode. Well, we Yeah, that is true. And essentially this, you know, I'm a guy with a Star-Lord tattoo, but even I will be the first to admit this episode should have been called... What if Star-Lord were a competent person? Uh, Well. It really was. Like, the whole time you're watching T'Challa have the mantle of Star-Lord, he is being a consummate professional. He is being the absolute best at what he does. Everybody around him, it's almost like, you are the greatest, T'Challa. Yes, you're so smart, you're handsome, and you do everything right. And pretty much, yeah, that is, in fact, the case. Although, good old Cha-Cha, which, by the way, is such a great nickname for the character from Nebula. And the fact that we may never see uh, T'Challa on the big screen for a long time. Not never, but for a long time. Hearing that nickname of Cha-Cha, I would have loved to have heard like different members of the uh, Avengers call him Cha-Cha. Maybe that's down the line somewhere. We, Who knows? We don't know. It'll get picked up somewhere else. What if? We heard it at least three times from Nebula. But this is very much everything you know of what makes these characters what they were in the original source material of the MCU, source material of the source material. You see it flipped on its ear. The opening scene from Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014 is redone. Yeah, on Morag. And the reaction of the man who goes, who? Yeah, about a 180-degree difference from what we know. And he absolutely fanboys. Well, that reminded me straight up of the Eddie Murphy movie, Coming to America. How so? As Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall are waiting to use the men's room in the sporting arena that they're at, one of the uh, vendors recognizes him and yells, Oh my goodness! You are the prince, the prince of Zamunda! Well, for me... No, thank you, thank you. You know, we're trying to downplay it, but... For me, what this reminded me of was John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, where in the middle of the movie, there is a guy who wants to fight him, and the entire time he's like, oh my god, I just want you to know I am your biggest fan, and yes, I'm probably going to have to kill the shit out of you, but (laughs) I absolutely idolize you, and you are the best. Sorry I'm going to have to kick your ass, but big fan. Big, big fan. Well, this this vendor needed to get a picture with Eddie Murphy, so he, they did that. Thank you for no selling me, as Eddie. Well. I appreciate that. Yes. But, parallel stories. Yes. But anyway, parallel lines, blondie, ha, 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 dated references. Anyway. <laughs> but 
with the whole relationship of what he is as a character, seeing how over the top he is and how he is cool. He is coolness personified in the Star Lord role, even more so than he already was. <laughs> yeah. And as a diehard fan of Star Lord, I enjoyed this interpretation of the character. Just putting it out there first and foremost. And it's sad to see that this is his final role because I would love to have seen more of Chadwick Boseman in the T'Challa role. But as a Star Lord fan, like that little selfish part of me, I'm like, hell yeah, his final role was doing something as Star Lord. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's cool to see. Giving off lines and being adored by, by the guy who said who and saying the lines that Peter had said in Guardians, you know, Star Lord, pew pew, the whole little shtick there that was in the beginning. Um, and then again, hearing not only the voice of T'Challa, but a lot of other ones, most of the other ones that we know from the Guardians movie and other movies you know, in the MCU that are in here is really cool. Well, what I well. liked, what I liked about the portrayal of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa as Star Lord was the fact that he downplays everything. And whereas on the flip side, you have Peter Quill in the Star Lord persona, over the top, cocky as hell. He thinks he's the absolute best. Yeah, and a bag of chips. And whereas T'Challa, subdued, cool. Hey, it's whatever. You don't, no, no worries. It's well, we're gonna do our thing. Sure, I'm great. Whatever you say, whatever you want to say. But Star Lord, Peter Quill, complete 180. And that's what I love about stories like this. It's the whole again. 180 opposite of what you're used to. And the line that comes in twice, appropriately enough, as is the style of what Marvel does in the beginning and near the end, a Ravager never flies solo. Yeah. And, you know, the question, is that supposed to be some kind of catchphrase? Yeah, it is. Enter Yondu. Who, by the way, played by Michael Rooker, again, reprising the role, he did an absolutely stellar job. And this is where you have an actor coming in to play a role in an animated version of everything. You can tell probably Michael Rooker has done a lot of voiceover work because Michael Rooker is not an A-list name. He's a great actor, but he's, you know, he's a journeyman actor. He's been all over. He's done so many different things. He's in one of Kevin Smith's movies as a bad guy who you would not realize is him until, you know, years later. I'm like, oh, shit, that's... Mm. But Yandu was the chocolate... Yandu was the uh, chocolate-covered pretzel guy? Wow, I did not know that. So you're seeing all these little things, and you're seeing him. He's doing this portrayal, this vocal version of Yondu, and he does a stellar job. His line reads are excellent because he probably does a lot of voiceover work in animation, in video games, in what have you. Whereas, again, Sebastian Stan in last week's episode, (sighs) the the charisma of a door handle. It's he, what they may have been going for. I don't think it would have made it would have been on the cutting room floor still, if it wasn't acceptable. The the voiceover director should have said, "Hey, that was not good. Do it again." <laughs> Whereas Michael Rooker, boom, nailed it, nailed it right off the bat. I don't know how many takes he probably went through, but he probably went through many, many more or fewer than Sebastian Stan did. Where it's, yeah, I guess that's good enough. Up and at them. <laughs> No, up and at them. Up and at them. They they don't have the same vocal coaches, I guess. I don't know. It's still the same voice director for the show. When you're working on a show, you have a voice director that is the one that does everyone's work on the show. So, mm. 
Don't defend Sebastian Stan. He's a Marvel character. He's great. You weren't there. You don't know for certain. 100%. She sucked. But. (laughs) Like a Hoover. I just think overall seeing Yondu in there and that relationship, by the way, of the two characters, right off the bat with them, fantastic relationship. Whereas when you look at Star-Lord, Peter Quill, and Yondu, you were going to eat me. I just said that because I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. But what I thought was kind of um, not amazing, but just maybe ironic, surprising at the very least, was that you get now to the year 1988, Earth, Wakanda, and we find out the Ravagers were supposed to get the spawn of the Celestial Ego, but they got the wrong kid. And it's told to us that this is a mistake. This is not supposed to happen. All Earthlings look alike. But they don't seemingly try to go back and correct this blunder. When you have the character, again, everything is a complete 180 of what it was. Peter Quill wants to go back home. He misses his family. He misses his mother who has died. He misses everything and wants his old life back. Why is he being taken into this outer space world? He doesn't want to be there, but I guess I'm going to have to deal with this. T'Challa, on the other hand, is just like, yeah, I want to get the hell out of here. I want to be able to see this. I want to explore the world. Fine. You're not going to get the world. You're going to get the universe. Universe, right. Which is, again, such a great concept. Just that line and that delivery, excellent stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say one of the things about that relationship as well is you're seeing the whole Ravagers talking at the bar and who shows up. The Mad Titan himself, Thanos. Again, reprised by Josh Brolin. And by the way, Josh Brolin does a really good job with voiceover work because that's what his character was the entire time, is voiceover yeah. work. Yeah. So it was like he never missed a beat. He was phenomenal in that. And the entire time he's there talking about his plan, the Mad Titan's plan of eliminating half of the, you know, half of all living life. I love his line later in the episode of, it's random. <laughs> it's random, yeah. But efficient. And Captain Genocide. <laughs> That's dark. But <laughs> what they call them that I didn't just pull that one out of my Ooh. I just think the idea of him being this kind of character of over the top but still subdued. He's he's the entire time of Oh yeah, it's a silly idea of, you know, eliminating half the world. Yeah, I get it. But what if? And he's just like another one of the guys of the one of the ravagers when he, we first you know see him with his arm resting upon I forget who was talking about him and then there he is and hearing the line well T'Challa showed him meaning Thanos and it's like oh T'Challa kicked his butt this mm. version of the Ravagers he plays the role of a Drax type the heavy and you can absolutely tell if this was you know the Drax parts this would be Drax but instead it's Thanos you know yeah but we do see Drax thank goodness interacting with Star-Lord and then Nebula who at the outset is like wait a minute Nebula may be taking what sort of a Gamora thing was in there being perhaps a relationship between yeah. Nebula and Star-Lord. Flirting, maybe, if that... But going back over to Drax, like you just said, seeing Drax in there as the bartender, and again, the whole character of taking everything so literally, I absolutely adored that. I thought it was great. And again, the voiceover actor who they got to portray Dave Batista in this did a phenomenal job yeah. and got the vocal tone down perfectly and I would say one of the funniest lines was it was very much a Jeremy Bagley kind of line shout out to Jeremy 
because I know you're listening. But the line of, you look terrible. I look, I look great. Yeah, look, take a picture. No, take another picture because you really do look terrible. And I think the idea of Drax being that character, even in this scene, and it, it's kind of funny seeing what would have happened if everything was normal and safe. Yeah, at least he didn't try to look invisible. So you know, that really wouldn't have worked. Those Zarg nuts, you know. <laughs> but the whole idea of, again, the what-if concept is so limitless because it affects every single thing in there. Yeah, well, as we go through the episode, we hear that Wakanda has been destroyed, so I guess it's a good thing that T'Challa left or was taken. We are introduced to the Embers of Genesis and the Collector. Wait, Peter, Co- Peter uh, Gabriel or Phil Collins? Uh-huh. Well, Embers, I don't know. This is a different, yeah. But the Collector is a badass character. And again, I, th- I think the whole idea of having Collector be such a badass character is making up for the fact that Benicio Del Toro, the actor who portray- who portrays the Collector, he's not really going to be much of a physical actor when he's on screen. But when you, you, know, you add the CGI elements of animation and all that, Again, possibilities are limitless. No, I mean, how physical can the collector be? He's got all his specimens in cages. The work was already done. He's, well, he's it, walking around trying to add to the collection. So no, no physicality but there. But at the end, you know, he's like he I'm wanted, being funny. wants to, yeah, 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 wants to be a fighter and go off and do his own thing. And he doesn't have to, like in real life, he doesn't have to because you know, doesn't want to. But mm. this one, yeah. Yeah, 180 again difference exactly. I think writing a what if is such a great idea, but and. All the work is already done for you when you have the source material in front of you that you want to do the 180 of. So, like, let's say, let's do a what if, hypothetically speaking, of what if Spider-Man never got bit by the spider? Okay, so now, instead, someone else gets bit. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, is an onlooker. Uncle Ben is still alive. Uncle Ben proceeds to go on a one-man mission against the Spider-Man because in turn, Aunt May died because, of course, it's a what if. Someone has to die. By the way, no one died in this what if. <laughs> That's I was what I shocked. was thinking. I said, wait I a minute. I was shocked. Did anybody? Well, well, let's. <laughs> the arrow got a lot of guys. So there. But they they, do... Yeah, but they were all bad, like yeah, Schwarzenegger they do not says. Count. It's true. Well, if you didn't do the no, body count, then their, you're right. Unless it's their relatives. You know, then they're like, yeah. you know, mourning. We're mourning all those gleep glops, you know? <laughs> but overall, just seeing that element of what can make a what if. It's such an interesting idea, and they do such a great job exploring what is going on. Also, a what-if can take characters that otherwise were one-and-done, quick little note characters and expand upon them. Case in point, and the longest role we've seen him in? Yeah, I know who you're going with. Howard. Yeah. When you're out of luck, go with the duck. No one says that. Well, right, not not until now. (laughs) I know. I just love, overall, the again... Seth Green returns to the role of Howard the Duck. And being able to see Seth of Robot Chicken fame, of Family Guy fame and all that, go off and do this and get more of a role with the character. I want to see a Howard the Duck animated series for Disney+. Plus. That could work, and it would be so much fun. Throw him into Cleveland. I don't care. Have something finally exciting happen in the Midwest. It'll be wonderful. But... Ohio! Oh uh, yeah! Oh, saying Cleveland the name rocks. is the only saying the name is the only exciting thing about that state. Oh, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thank you. And the airport. And the airport. It means you can get away from Ohio. But 
Yeah. And the dropping of Robin Leach in lieu of Robin Hood. I, I mean, loved that reference. Okay. That was one of those references. Robin Hood and the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. <laughs> that was a Melnick enhancement. Okay. Thank you. But I would say, again, just using those quote-unquote references, the dated references, helps out with the story of how all of this goes. You know? I like to see. I liked seeing the uh, T'Chaka hologram message. Which said, okay, well, he's alive. T'Challa now has a, a connection, perhaps, to get back to and knows who's his, who his real father is. It sounds like a Star Wars thing, with the hologram especially. But that was a cool element in there, I think, as well. That does actually come at the end, the reunion. So that's very cool. Yeah. But then, then I have to wonder about the the loyalty, the role that Nebula is playing. Owing a debt to the collector, you know, confronting now T'Challa and Yondu, what her plan is actually, and she goes through and reveals it, perhaps, as to <laughs> whose side is she on anyway. Yeah. Maybe maybe just, and I can't think of another example like this, but whoever is going to benefit her the most, perhaps, it might be a selfish role that she's taking. Well, one of the things also with a what-if is the fact of characters that are minor players can maybe be enhanced to a more prominent role. Like, you know, we just mentioned earlier Howard the Duck. The Black Order are still just background characters for an evil madman. You know, you have Proxima Midnight, you have Ebony Maw and all of them as just the sidekicks of the Collector. Right, and you brought them in into this whole... Maybe you didn't have to, necessarily. You didn't have to, but it's it's a nice little reminder of, hey, this is... It's essentially not just what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord, but also what if Thanos never did his grand plan. Right, as a corollary, perhaps as a, as a tangent or an aside. But if you stopped it, and I didn't, I just watched it straight through and saw when Star-Lord was going up against the Collector, the array of weapons he had. And he, of course, brought out a couple of things like the uh, the dark matter dagger which I assume is supernatural to some degree, and I can't think of what it connects to character-wise, if if anything. But you had Hela's uh, headpiece, her headgear. The mommy helmet, yes. And uh, Captain America's shield was up up uh, amongst all the other see, weapons. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. yeah that was the most I'll, prominent thing I saw. I'll rewatch that again. I didn't see that. And I don't know about other weapons. They were all handheld weapons, it looked like, but that was just... The shield was, again, well, mounted you're, against... You're Captain Ed America. Of course you notice that. Yeah. But I didn't see that in an early... Uh, Marvel movie, the early prototype, not holding up what Tony Stark was working on in his garage. Of course, the the uh, creation of the new element, but somewhere hanging up in the, the background, I didn't see that. That's well, that was just near the microphone. So here we are. But when it came to even like we said that everybody, li- Karina, Karina lived. She helped open the cases and the cages, and and we got to see Astro Dog or Cosmo. Like that. Cosmo, there we go. Comrade Wilson, you disappoint. <laughs> but one of the things that we eventually see, and it was a nice callback to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, is at the end of the episode, after everything is said and done, we see the arrival of Ego. And Ego shows up at the Dairy Queen that was destroyed in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where one Peter Quill works. And he's sitting there with the headphones with the orange foam, listening to... A flock of seagulls! I, and that's... 
I'm a big Flock of Seagulls fan, so to be able to see something that's not Iran actually play is kind of cool. Well, Space Age Love Song, just by the title, is like, yeah, that's a match. We have a nice Absolute. fit. But the thing is with that also, it's, come on, guys. That's a seven or an 80s song, not a 70s song. The cutoff is 1979. <sighs> yeah. This is my, my hill I'm going to die on. But no, it's, you know, the whole, the usage of that song is absolutely perfect. And I personally, if I was, you know, directing this thing, I would have thrown that over the end credits. Okay. I do okay. say, though, again, I love the usage of music. I like that music is not a thing for a Star-Lord character. It's a thing for a Peter Quill character. It's a part of Peter Quill's personality. Yes. T'Challa is not a music guy. He really doesn't do anything with music. But Peter Quill, on the other hand, even if you make him Captain America, you still incorporate the music element to him. Well, like it was that. good in terms of sound, not necessarily. Well, it is music. Sorry. It's Wakandan music that you do get in in one scene midway or maybe two-thirds of the way through with T'Challa and hearing that the Wakandan drum instrumentation in, well, a, in a scene there. So it's like, yeah, this strikes a chord. When this episode was announced initially, a lot of memes were ended up getting created in like different uh, groups on Facebook. And one of the ones I saw was the Wakandan warriors, and they have their, you know, their swords, their shields and everything and all of a sudden you just hear the T'Challa going Uga Chaka and then they go Uga Chaka and they do the whole hooked on a feeling line <laughs> just the call and response call and response it was such a cool thing to see but again completely negated that meme and just that you know oh that's gonna happen it didn't <laughs> and I I really appreciated that mm-hmm. I thought that was a very nice touch again Going back over to my point of making it a Peter Quill attribute as opposed to a T'Challa attribute. Yeah, and they just ended it there where they said, well, this is time for another story if, you know, Peter and Ego are getting together and reuniting, as it were, going from one family reunion to what could be another I would love to see that what if. But again, we keep yeah, getting yeah. these endings now. All of two episodes. We keep getting all of two episodes. But no, it does make you want more. And it's like, oh, man, because we don't know if there's going to be a season two. There may not be. There may be. We don't know. But I would like to know what happened. A yawn. <laughs> but in regards to the character of T'Challa in the role of playing a Star-Lord, I thought it was phenomenal. And the episode ends with a dedication to the late, great Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, yeah, a lot of people were emotional over that. And it's funny because this episode has a lot of emotional ties. The relationship T'Challa has with the Ravagers, where you're not my real family. That's rough. Hearing that line mm-hmm. cuts a dagger through your chest. And I just, I thought that level of pathos and emotion knocked it out of the park. It so made yeah. you feel for the characters, yeah. animated or otherwise. Yes, I totally agree with that. And it's funny because a lot of people were talking about the previous week's episode. What if uh, Agent Carter became Captain Carter? And the complaint was, eh, it wasn't really that good. A lot of people I've been seeing have been heavily praising this episode, and I'm inclined to agree, although I did like last week's episode. But it wasn't the greatest thing, but it was entertaining for what it was. 
This, on the other hand, and I'm completely absolving the Guardian's bias I have towards things like that. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a phenomenal story. And, yeah. Real quick, though, really to jump job. back, that you mentioned now Agent Carter. I have seen on Instagram, if nowhere else, Agent Carter cosplayers. So this is coming out fast and furious, apparently. And I don't so mean the franchise. It, they've been doing it for years, like the, that it, character. I've seen it before. So so what? All of a sudden it's time to start showing and posting? Or they've been doing them before and they're just reposting them. Of them? So it's like, whoa, okay, I didn't know this was a thing whenever, however far back. And I guess what we could see maybe a – it's not Captain Britain. Captain Carter, Union, done Un, it Union Jack. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other British character – Face covered with the British flag on it, as well as the chest Union Jack from the time of what the invaders, I guess. Well, the funniest thing is Agent Carter has been in the comics before as Captain Carter in the Exiles multiverse. Ah, uh, well, that's a different. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where these characters, all these different interpretations. I like. I think this is a much better story to tell because it's completely different. We've never had T'Challa in the role. Of anybody else, in, right? Intergalactic. Yeah. Although we have the Wakandan intergalactic war in the most recent run of Black Panther by uh, Tanashi Coates, but there's just so much that is, you know, going on. And I like that. I like the fact that it's different, you know? Absolutely. And well done. I think they both were. I like them both. I just episodes. Feel, I definitely have more of you know a. If I if I had to give you know like a, a numerical grade, hmm, hmm, hmm. yes, it came to that. Well, God forbid we have you know reviews on this show where people value our opinions. <gasps> Number but, system too. Yeah, but anyway, two Dewey decimals to this episode, nine out of please. Ten. Nine out of ten. The other one was seven and a half, like something like that, because it was still okay. a good story. Yeah. But it also it might also be a again. Well, no, I can't even say it because I love the first Captain America movie, so I can't really say that, you know? It's funny. Captain America is a trilogy that gets better with each movie. All right. You don't I can... really see that very often. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Every movie is stellar, and then they still manage to find a way to ramp up on top of the previous one. I think, though, yes, I, I did feel that having watched this second What If episode, I felt like, I think I like this one better than the first one. Either that or I was somewhat prepared for the type of storytelling and the animation that we were about to see unfold. Do you you have more of an emotional feel towards this episode because you know, oh no, we won't have Chadwick Boseman again? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's there. It was like, cool, I'm loving, I'm absorbing, I'm really ingesting everything that he's saying in the T'Challa Star-Lord role, and yeah. When I heard his voice initially in the episode, I did go, oh, I miss him. And then... Everything in my mind wiped it clean of that he's gone. I was just living in that moment, watching the episode, seeing him in the role. And, you know, completely ignored the fact that he is no longer with us. But just being able to appreciate the storytelling technique of what they were able to pull off with this. And I feel they did a, again, this one, pun intended, is a stellar job. Yeah, when you for, we still it's in space. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, haven, no uh-huh. air in well there can be, but we'll get to that some full of hot thing. air. But I think yes, you you feel that impact, if you will, when you first hear T'Challa speak. And then when you see the words in the dedication at the end, boom. Yeah. It yeah. 
And it's I always said when I would hear Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, he's got such a soothing voice for the character. You wouldn't expect it to be, but it is, you know? Well, not in all the lines, you know. I mean, I will not ask again. But he's still, it's very, it's like, with all it's of his, not... his, but it feels good. It's like, it's like a, he, he is, he is the ASMR of vocal performances. I would listen to a Chadwick Boseman audio tape if I had oh, the yeah. opportunity. Oh yeah. But I'd fall asleep probably because I'm like, oh, thanks. Good night. And good luck. Well, I thought you were headed down the Friday the 13th Jason route. With no. That. Well, ch- 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 no, that passed. La, la, la. You know, you could just add that and you got, ch- 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 ah, la, la. He got his name. There it is. And that's the episode. Eddie's getting a car crash sound effect for that one. Stop it. Yeah, overall, fun episode, and I'm excited to see what we are getting next with this. I don't know offhand what the next episode is going to be. I'm actually going to quickly do a little Google search. It's episode number three. Well, no, shit, Sherlock. (gasps) How dare you? What if episode three... Synopsis. According to fansighted.com. Well, it didn't didn't give you episode two synopsis. Oh, it has not yet been released, but we do know that the third episode will focus on Loki as he rules on Earth. I'm calling it right now. This is going to be an episode involving the Vote Loki storyline. Hmm. By Christopher Hastings and... Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting because so many of us are still talking about Loki over and over and over. Was I that heavily invested in the show? Not really. But yet here I am as someone who bought a uh, Mobius and uh, Crokey pen on a jet ski, which is pretty great. I'll show you in a little bit. Oh, boy. Yeah. Count the minutes for that one. I think that is going to wrap this episode up for this week. For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Malnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. What if Peter Malnick said Excelsior? He just did. Excelsior! He just did.